Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship in Developing Markets. I am here with my co-host, Lincoln. How's it going? Great. Today, we're going to cover a necessary and difficult topic. What's that topic? <laughs> Negotiations. Yeah, this for me right now, this is creating a lot of anxiety um, because uh -huh. I'm negotiating on multiple fronts. But this topic is something that if you are new, especially in developing markets, you're going to be negotiating on a lot of things because there isn't a fixed price set. And it can sometimes feel very overwhelming or sometimes just straight up annoying that, you know, even as soon as you get off from the airport, you're going to be negotiating on a ride there. It's going to say one thing on a sign. The driver is going to give you another, uh, another price. They're going to tell a story behind it. But even as you start working with partners, there's going to be a lot of negotiations that's going to happen naturally, but there's going to also going to be a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of cultural clashes that will happen during any of the negotiations that you're having. So I'm really thrilled to talk about this topic because it took me a while to get comfortable to, to get to the point where I am willing to negotiate and I accept it as a norm of just doing business and developing markets. And then you become very annoying when you come back to America and you go to the grocery store and say, hey, how much for your bananas? 29 cents. No, no, no. How much for me? <laughs> no, they're 29 <laughs> cents. Oh, come on. I'll buy a lot. <laughs> yeah. Who's this weird guy that wants to negotiate everything? We don't negotiate prices in America. No, we don't at all. And that's a that's a quick, that's an interesting starting point. Why do you believe like in markets like such as Africa and other places, why is negotiation so much more common around just even like minor things where in the US it's not, there's not really a room for negotiation unless it's we're talking something a little bit more significant. Yeah. It's a good question. Part of it, I think, is cultural. Part of it is the desire to maximize return. And uh, part of it is a dis dispersed market um, without uh, some of those uh, big drivers. For example, you, you go down to the grocery store. Uh, Safeway is not going to negotiate with you about their prices. They're a huge corporation. You're a buyer. Do you like it or you don't like it? When you go to the market, there's 50 ladies there selling avocados. Mm -hmm. And so... We're gonna, she's going to work hard to make sure she stay, that you stay with her. And you're going to go to the next one to see if the next avocado might be a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. I think those might be some of the reasons. Plus, it's just a lot more fun. Yeah. Sometimes as a business owner, when I do go and visit and I am having to negotiate, sometimes I'm like, you know, honestly, I, I would prefer not to negotiate with you and pay you the price that you want. Because I understand as a business owner, like there's certain things where you've, you know what the cost is and you want to be paid your value and you don't really want people to be like, Hey, can I get, can I get this 20% cheaper? Like I get that a lot with our product, it's, you know, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's $39 a month or $99 a month. I'm like, what are we really negotiating on it? Do you either see value in it or you don't? Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I wish sometimes they would just be like, okay, this is what the price is, but they love, it's just, it's just instinctual. They love to negotiate. Sure. And salary negotiations, it can be difficult. We'll talk about those in a minute, but mm -hmm. um, 
that's a whole different, like you say, that's a different uh, emotional um, situation because the product that you're talking about is not an avocado, it's you. Mm. <laughs> so we're talking about your relative value. That gets very personal. Uh -huh. and, uh, I think uh, it's going, uh, one thing I've noticed working in different parts of Africa is that the expectation of negotiation is different and the expectation of how much the price will be overpriced in the beginning is different. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Southern Africa, you might get a 10 or 20% discount from whatever the price they started you at. If you're in Guinea or in some parts of Nigeria, you might get a hundred percent discount from what they started at. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on uh, how they see you, right? And mm -hmm. how, they, how you're perceived. Uh, I usually start or somewhere early in the negotiation, I point out that I'm not a tourist. <laughs> like this is the, you should go do that to a tourist, but I'm not a tourist. I have to live here and work here and nobody is reimbursing me and I'm not on a per diem and I'm, so, you know, let's, let's talk about real value here. And I always have that discussion with my drivers. Drivers always know that if we don't make any money, I won't be able to come back and hire them again. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have, they have to be profitable. Uh, yeah, so have you noticed, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was, uh, I'm just, in, I was going to pick up on that. I feel like um, for you, especially being one of the few white guys that are, very familiar <laughs> with uh, with Africans to such an extent. It, it's usually a surprise when they when you tell them that, and they're like, "What? What are you doing?" Like, probably the next question they ask you is, "What are you doing here?" Right? Yeah, I love it when I'm the only white guy on a domestic Nigerian flight. That's great. Um, but you, everybody, I, I think at some point I just had to accept that I'm going to have a different price. I'll always, mm -hmm. I'm always going to have a different price. Sometimes it's really close to what a native would get, you know, a local would get. But uh, I'm interested to hear how you have seen that <laughs> um, and and what happens to you when you're negotiating. Do you feel like you get treated differently because you're an American? I think everybody, it's one of those because I was born here in the U.S. And, you know, for the most part, my English has very little accent. Um, sure. So yeah, when I do negotiate, negotiate, or I am in the market to buy things, they do put that American price up front. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, put they things. start you high. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there comes a part in the process where my Nigerian side comes out, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> where it's a lot more ultra aggressive towards like, all right, what, what are we really trying to negotiate here? And so you do get the American uh, tourist pricing. But one thing I also try to stress that I, just like you, I'm aware, well aware of the, the market and mm -hmm. what's happening in it and like what the price of things should be, um, regardless of if I'm American or not. And I think kind of setting that stage or giving that hint has kind of helped me get a better price on things. Right. Yeah. Always prepare for your negotiation, right? If you have no idea what, what a normal uh, taxi ride from the airport costs, then all you can do is just bluff. And mm -hmm. he says $30 and you say, that's too much. And then he, if he knows that if $30 is the going rate that you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I, I've, I've seen some Americans um, 
where they think that their adaption to Africa is that they will just absolutely complain that every price is too high. Mm -hmm. It's not always the case, right? Maybe he's going to quote you the right price or close to the right price and you should treat him right. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe one overall theme that we're touching on here is that it's really the relationship that matters how how we're related to in the in the situation and and how the person we're negotiating perceives us and and how we feel about them i yeah, think that I think, applies regardless yeah i think that applies significantly to small or big negotiations um i have found that initially when i was starting to look for an apartment the first 3 months that i that I lived in Serbia, I was paying substantially more for my apartment. <laughs> yeah, you're paying tuition. <laughs> yeah, I was paying substantially more for my apartment um, just because I was not really, uh, first of all, I wasn't aware of the local pricing for apartments because all of these sites that are online that are geared towards uh, tourists or people that are expats, they're they're about like three to four times more expensive than the local going rates. And so once I got there three months in and I needed to renew my commitment to the same apartment, I love the apartment. I had built enough of a relationship with my landlord at the time where I got a significantly better deal from the same person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. He didn't want to see you leave, right? Yeah. Yeah, because he also knew, he or she knew what you were like. You said, mm -hmm. they said, oh, he's a good tenant. He pays. He doesn't have wild parties, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> no, I had my wild parties at the bar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit more about like the relationship side of things. How, how, how do you cultivate a relationship, especially with someone that you plan on negotiating with, or you are in the process of negotiating with, and how do you do it? And when we're talking about um, relationship, how do you do it genuinely, not just try to fake a relationship in order to manipulate the situation to your favor? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work too well, does it? No. You don't have that problem. You're, I'm sure you're uh, genuine. And if you genuinely, genuinely like people, I think it shows through. That's a good question because last week I got this WhatsApp uh, message from one in one of customer in one of our businesses who uh, had a Saudi Arabia uh, country code, and he says, uh, "Can you tell me something about your product?" And I said, "Yeah, you could look at our website." <laughs> and. Uh, and he said, well, uh, very quickly, within the first five minutes of conversation on WhatsApp, he says, I'll need to be the exclusive uh, distributor, not just for Saudi Arabia, but for all of the Gulf. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was trying to decide whether I should be annoyed or not. And um, he keeps pushing me on this. And I said, well, maybe you'd like to buy one of our machines and see what it's like first. No, he wants exclusive. So then I said, well... I don't know anything about you except your phone number and your enthusiasm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the negotiation wasn't getting too far. Um, and so then I had an idea. Uh, oh, oh, he wrote, he wrote to me and he said, you know, I'm sending all of this on Google translate. I thought, Oh, okay. So now I know something about this language choices, right? And Google's making his language choices for him. So I just pushed the voice record button on WhatsApp 
and broke out in my best, very bad Arabic. <laughs> it isn't even his dialect. It's more like a Levantine dialect. I just sent him a short message. And my Arabic's really bad. I, I probably used every word I knew. <laughs> Everything changed. Oh, you are a wonderful man. You have a wonderful family. Oh, we so much want to work with you. Yes, we will work forever together. <laughs> I mean, neither one of us knew anything about the other, but uh, so in answer to your question, you know, whatever you can do to build the relationship. Yeah, right I there. Think. It just seems like you put effort into one thing that you did is just understanding the language, right? That's a big thing mm -hmm. that, and even though you're, you say your Arabic is bad, I don't even speak more than, I only have three languages that I speak, but even that alone shows a sign of wanting to understand the culture and the people that are there. So mm -hmm. there's, I've, in my experience, I've found that there is a great appreciation for, you know, foreigners who go somewhere and attempt or make a genuine attempt to learn about the culture, either through language or through other uh, means. And that helps with relationship building a lot uh, significantly, because I think what he probably saw there was, hey, this person has invested enough intellectual time uh, and, and effort into just learning enough Arabic to be able to communicate with them, uh, communicate with me. Yeah, I think that uh, if you genuinely care about people, it shows through in mm -hmm. one way or another. <clears throat> I think one of the most important questions we can ask at the beginning of any conversation about what we're going to do together is, what do you want? And if we can understand what the other person wants, then we can focus on helping them get what they want. And hopefully they'll reciprocate and you know, try to understand what we want. And, and that's the basis of a good negotiation. I think a terrible negotiation is a zero-sum game where I'm going to try and take something away from you, and you're going to try and take something away from me, and we're going to see who which one can take the most before we're done. And we'll end up hating each other. <laughs> so essentially negotiating in bad faith. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Tell us about that. Well, Have you ever had I, anyone do that to you? <laughs> I, I think... That's a lot. That's a lot more common way of how people approach negotiations is, um, and a lot of the time, the weird part about it is that it's part. It's usually in a partnership agreement, where either they are they want to negotiate to the point where the other person is dissatisfied with with the agree with the agreement, right mm -hmm. and. As long as they're dissatisfied with the agreement and they get everything that they want, then it, it, it all worked out for them. But I always found it very bizarre because a lot of these negotiations that happen where it's like that is usually there's like a there's usually like a rico ricochet effect that takes place where negotiating in bad faith and wanting everything on your terms and dictating it, um, usually the deal will fall apart 90% yeah. of the time. Yeah. It's not durable. Um, it's not durable at all. Other thing is at the end, let's say the deal does go through, there's going to be a significant amount of buyer's remorse or mm -hmm. partner remorse around it. And it might come back to, hey, let's go. You misrepresented X, Y, and Z because um, during the negotiation process, usually that's it. That ends up, that ends up being the case when you're negotiating mm -hmm. at such an extent 
extreme point. Yeah. Um, and I also just don't believe that you can genuinely do business that way where you negotiate um, to just your benefit, right? If, right. Both, if both parties can leave the negotiation with, you know what, I didn't get everything that I wanted, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a fair deal where mm-hmm. both parties feel happy about it, but they also don't feel great about it. I think yeah, that's where you exactly. want to be. <laughs> and both of them accepting some risk, right? It can't yeah. be a one-way street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's just some emotional maturity also, and maybe some culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that in those cultures that are programmed to do zero-sum games are probably cultures that don't have a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. You might find them fighting a lot with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. If they think that they always have to, as you said, when they're not happy till the other guy's suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a really good point you want to keep the other guy happy right because then what happens if you need him i mean if you're just going to think of it in a selfish way at least consider that selfish point (laughs) what Uh if you needed him (laughs) what if something doesn't go right and then you need his mercy and you haven't shown any so yeah it's uh it's lots of ways of saying that karma golden rule just basic humanity yeah i was Um, I was completing a project. Uh, we got our company uh, website completely redesigned um, and it's launched three weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I was dealing with a developer. He was out of Turkestan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was my first time working with them. And so a lot of the times, I think we've already had a couple of episodes where we talk about this. A lot of the times when I'm working with some someone brand new, I I usually act very oblivious to <laughs> to the situation or oh I, I didn't know like that's how that works or because I'm trying to gauge the person when uh-huh. I'm trying to gauge the person when the person other person knows that you're vulnerable to see right to see how much what advantage you'll take yeah what and to see what type of person that I am working with mm-hmm. and so one of the things that was a um that I learned through this process of negotiating launching this website is this, you know, this contractor I was working with, he would, he would, he would do a lot of misleading where like I would write the project requirement down and he would tell, he would tell me, Oh, you didn't say this exact thing. So I'm going to have to charge. I'm going to have to charge you more. Um, So for example, here's a perfect example. So the website needed to be built. So it scales like it's, it's called mobile responsive, meaning that it scales from your, if you looked at it from PC the desktop, to your mobile device, right? yeah, to your mobile device. Right. Mm-hmm. And the word, the word that's used for it, it's called mobile responsive. So I was like, Hey, the website needs to be mobile responsive. My designer designed the website on a grid, on a grid like level. So you can easily mm-hmm. make it mobile responsive and designed a mobile view, but she mm-hmm. did not design the tablet view because that's not really a standard practice, right? Okay. It, you don't design a tablet view because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, it's basically taking the miniaturized version of your desktop, right? Right. So as we get in through and we're doing like QA, he mentions that, hey, uh, you didn't provide a tablet view, a tablet view for your website. So it's going to be 
$900 more added to the project, even though he agreed to mobile responsive and he, and he's trying to make this a sticking, a sticking point. And then mm-hmm. I communicate with him like, Hey, look, I've built over 700 websites in the last 10 years. <laughs> Not one time does any of our designers ever had to provide a tablet view. Uh, and then I, at that point, he was kind of shocked, like, oh, I didn't know, like, you built websites. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is my first day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, never mind. I'll, 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 I'll do it with a tablet view. But that's just like, that's a, that's a uh, instance of just negotiating in bad, like in bad faith or being, yeah. or actually hurting the, I, the outcome that you want. Yeah. He's probably not on the top of your list anymore, if on your list at all. No, he's right. not on my list at all. <laughs> Basically, you caught him. That's what he uh-huh. said when he said, oh, I didn't know you knew. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> the relationship is super important. And you've got to re- recognize, I guess, that the other guy is sizing you up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this brilliant piece that P.J. O'Rourke writes in his, uh, I think it's in Holidays in Hell. And uh, he t- talks about negotiation in the Levant in that part of the world. He's in Lebanon and uh, he wants to contract with a taxi man to take him to the top of the mountain. And so he starts the conversation, how much to to take me to the top of the mountain? Oh, you're from America. My cousin lives in Detroit. Well, that's interesting. But how much would it be to take me to the top of the mountain? Ah, but it's a very beautiful place. What, you don't like my car? I said, no, your car's fine and that's all nice, but how much to take me to the top of the mountain? But we don't even know each other. How could I tell you? (laughs) (laughs) and uh just kind of underlines the importance of uh, spending some time knowing who the person is i like how you said um, that you want to know something about the other person or know what kind of things you could expect from them what kind of behavior you can expect and Mm -hmm. uh, they'll i think they'll they'll be in the same situation they want to know something about you so put yourself in their shoes as well and uh, recognize what they want and mm-hmm. what you want, and then try to make a, a, a good compromise for, for each of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this has been true for you, but one of the best pieces of advice I ever had about negotiation was to know what you're willing to walk away from, know where your line is, right? Mm-hmm. Your, what's, what's your best alternative? And uh, that applies to negotiations anywhere, but certainly you can get carried away in the emotion and you'll see this. This is one of the reasons that auctions work well is because people go there and they forget what their limit is <laughs> and they get excited and they get competitive and the other guy's going to outbid them. No, he's not. And then you go, Whoa, wow. I paid how much <laughs> they overdo it. I think coming into a negotiation, knowing what it's worth to you and then being willing to walk away. If, if, if you can't reach that point, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, or I think the other thing that I'll add to that is when someone sends you some terms for negotiating, mm-hmm. t- take a couple of days to sit sit on it and think through it before right. immediately immediately responding. And I think right now in this day and age that we're in, information so fast, everyone's moving so fast. Yeah, um, there's very little time people take to sit on things. Like right now, we're negotiating a deal for a sale in one of my businesses and the broker is sending us the LOI agreement and it's, Hey, can we get on a call right now? Like mm-hmm. three, 
30 minutes after sending it over. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to create some urgency. May yeah. not be a good deal for you. Might be trying to push you into it. Yeah. Yeah. But also at the same time, like you said, what does the other if this is even the case when you're negotiating, like where I'm we're negotiating where we are having a third party negotiate for us. Um, so there's a middleman, the broker, he's playing the middleman between the seller and the buyer. And so what are also his incentives, right? So for him right now, his incentive, my understanding, his incentive might be, Hey, he is incentivized by the commission that he's going to earn on the deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he wants a transaction to happen. Yes. So he wants a transaction to happen. And that may not necessarily be in the, in the benefit for us, because once the transactions happen, he has no other role to play and we're left to deal with whatever mess yeah, <laughs> comes of exactly. it, right? And so understanding what is their motivation as to why, because a lot of times when people want to, what I found is when people want to rush you, they're probably rushing you into a bad deal. There's, right. there's very few deals that are just so time sensitive that you have to like sign right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or yeah. we have to get if it's on a, a good deal. It'll probably be a good. Yeah, exactly. If it's a good deal. It'll probably still be a good deal tomorrow morning. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think going off of that is what has been your experience negotiating much larger deals that doesn't involve avocados at the, at the market <laughs> or taxis. And what has been your, um, structure that you have used to effectively get a good deal and also get deals done in a timely manner as best as you could. Yeah. Well, I don't think I'm a master at any of that. <laughs> I think I failed at all of those from time yeah. to time. Um, I don't have any tricks other than, uh, like we always say, tell the truth and then you won't have to remember what you said. Um, and normally when you're in a negotiation and somebody says, uh, you know, for example, with a solar system and a solar array, and they'll say, well, why don't you just do give me this? I say, no, I could give you that. I'd make money on it, but you won't be happy with it. Well, why? That's what I want. Yeah, that's not really what you want. What you really want is this. This is the outcome that you want. And the, the products that you're looking at that you think I should sell you to will not achieve that outcome. So no, I'm not going to sell you that. All of a sudden, they start to believe you. <laughs> it's like he's walking away from business yeah I'll walk away from business if it's not going to get you, make you happy let's get you something you'll be happy with mm -hmm. that's a, a much better approach uh, one thing I noticed um, and I had this I, happen, I had this happen yesterday with an American who I know pretty well <laughs> communication problems right um, yeah uh, I we I had proposed this is for a property development where um, he will be doing most of the work and I'll be contributing the funding. And so um, we had talked about a deal a long time ago and then we moved forward. Now we found a property and we're ready to move ahead. So he said, well, let's, let's formalize what we're going to, what we talked about. Yeah, sure. No problem. And I wrote it up and sent it to him and just on a WhatsApp and he just was not happy. And finally I just wrote back to him and I said, I quoted back to him what he said. And I said, what do you mean? What does that mean to you? And this morning he wrote back and he said, oh yeah, I hadn't read you properly. This is a good deal. I'm happy with it. <laughs> I said, I knew we had a failure to communicate. So mm -hmm. a lot of times you just have to make sure the other person understands you and that there's 
what you, the, first of all, that they read what you wrote them. <laughs> and second, that what, how, how do you understand that? Oh, okay, yeah, that's how I understand it. And uh, I used to work for a Japanese company. And so I learned that talking with numbers was also important. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you notice that, uh, like when you're trying to cross cultures and languages, it's sometimes you just write out the numbers. And yeah, I think that's very important um, because it, it takes the misunderstanding that can potentially happen out of it. And, and for me, I know I'm more of a visual person, especially when it comes to deals involving um, larger numbers. It's like, okay, put it down on paper for me. So I understand exactly what we mm -hmm. are discussing the finer points on. Um, I think one thing I want to add is what I have uh, found is as we try to sell this business and talking to a buyer is, tone is very important in mm -hmm. discussing what do you mean by tone different points so for example if there's things that you want to uh, change about an agreement there sometimes you have to be very mindful as to okay how do i express this in a way that doesn't automatically trigger a defense mechanism for mm -hmm. the individual that i am negotiating with Right. So you're saying his emotions are really important, right? Yeah. Kind of have to manage his emotions too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And manage yours as well, because right. sometimes, you know, some in some of the agreements that we've gotten, some of the things that have been put into it is, you know, in my head, I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you have to ask the question as to like, why does this matter? in the grand scheme of things and try to like understand why that person put X, Y, and Z in place. So it, so it allows you to cool, cool down. Right. Right. Like for example, keep all of the cash in the business after a business sale, but the business uh -huh. has no uh, real overhead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't really quite make sense, but so you have to be like, okay, what are they really trying to like achieve here and where are mm -hmm. they negotiating from because they have investors right and they they are either trying to meet some investor obligation and all these things so also making sure you control your emotions as you go through uh negotiating with a party especially once you get on the phone or and it's not even via email check your emails twice like for me one of the things that i i realized is that my emails are very aggressive right because it's 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 very aggressive because it's always just straight to the point and there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no, uh, there, there's not a lot of fluff or a lot of like feel good about it. It's like, okay, let's do that. No, I don't like this. And I don't like this. Right. Right. But, right. Yeah. And that can trigger text, the wrong emotion sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I stay away a lot of the times when negotiating the people off of text, like I won't, yeah. I won't email you. Or I won't text you because I know, I'm just not a, I won't put a lot of thought into like writing a smooth email. I'll just write mm -hmm. just what I don't like and what I do like. Right. Yeah. And sometimes that can be refreshing though. I know one guy that I, that uh, I've, I've worked with that is just so flowery that you can't really tell what's he saying. <laughs> like, you know, he's so oblique and uh, afraid to say anything too direct the end of the day, we need to figure out what are you going to do and what am I going to do and how much is that going to cost? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think some of that uh, tendency is really 
really useful. Don't mm-hmm. don't get rid of all of it. No, it's got to be applied in the right situation. Yeah, and exactly. it needs to be applied um, to the right person that you're negotiating with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm learning is just that when buying a business, it's about when someone's buying a business, I'm, it's more about pitching the opportunity that's available and they want mm-hmm. to know that what they're buying, you know, sometimes it's that there's still opportunity there. There's still meat on the bones for them to be mm-hmm. able to make something out of the investment that they are about to just put forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to have the other person in mind. And if we do that, mm-hmm. we'll be negotiating in good faith and we'll be able to recognize quickly when they're not. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if, if they're not negotiating in good faith, what's the point? Mm-hmm. It's just uh it's just a waste of time. So now so you can take up. all the Go ahead. Yeah. To, well, we're great minds think alike. I was thinking the <laughs> yeah, same thing to, to, to wrap it up. You can, you could probably go spend a lot of money on negotiation skills, course courses and training. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the main drivers are going to be those ones that we touched on, I think, which are soft skills and caring about other people and putting the other, putting yourself in the other guy's shoes and then knowing what you, what you need to take away from it. And I think a last Plus thing I good, to that is just show appreciation, right? Yeah. Like it, a lot of this is negotiations should be very mutually beneficial and show appreciation for whoever you're negotiating with for helping either you make money or helping you get an opportunity that was not available to you until you met the buyer or seller or the partner that you are working with. I think that's very important. And I think maybe you can touch a little bit on that as well. Well, I think you're a good example of that. Um, and when someone negotiates with you in bad faith, I think uh, you need to walk away and mm-hmm. uh, and and just you know don't. As I say sometimes, don't go away mad. Just go away. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> That's true, especially if you're entwined already with them as a partner. It's, it's unfortunate, but you just got to do your part and hope they'll do theirs. So that about wraps up this episode. If you love this, please make sure to give us a review on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to us and we will catch you on the next episode.